The Tumbling Saber podcast is powered by our powerful friends. Become a powerful friend for just a couple dollars per month and get exclusive podcasts, early access podcasts, random prize draws, contests, newsletters, and more. Visit patreon.com slash tumblingsaber and become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Welcome back. It's episode 116 of the Tumbling Saber podcast. My name is Kyle. I'm Corey. And I'm James. Oh, I'm back. Sorry for missing the last two weeks, guys. I missed doing the show with you. Two, you were out for two weeks? Yeah, two in a row. I did uh, something lame and something lamer. I can't remember even now what the reasons were. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> last week, that was very fun. And was Kane Cust? And what was the other one? Oh yeah, that's right. Well, that was that was last week, right? Oh, school grades. Oh, M was doing her grades and had uh, and had the laptop. Right. Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, we can always blame your wife. She's not here to defend herself, right? Uh, yes, that's true. <laughs> She's on vacation. That I'm. I sent her away on, so I'm the good guy, and uh, we can move on. Awesome. And Corey, week number one down at the uh, the new job. How'd that go? Uh, yeah. I mean, just, you know, getting my feet wet. It was it was good. Uh, it is what it is. I, I'm sick. You know that. Uh, I was telling you guys earlier that uh, I haven't been working in an office since some time. Well, yes, I've been in an office, but not with many people. So I don't know these these things like lying the carpets, waiting, and oh man, already nailed me. It's been it's been a busy week, man. It's been a crazy week for everybody, it seems. So just to recap, here's here's what my week last week went by. So going back seven days, we recorded episode 115 last week. That was, I don't know, February 27th or whatever it was. And then the Monday, I edit and post that show. Then I stayed up really late watching Rebels. The next night, we recorded Sith Disturbers. The following day, I edited that. Wednesday night, we recorded Bridger Transmissions. The following day, I edit that and post it. <laughs> uh, and, fr- and Friday morning, the, the Sith Disturbance goes live. And then I, and Thursday night, I wrote the newsletter, which which went out uh, on Thursday night, late Thursday night. So it was a crazy week, and it's going to be a repeat this week because, of course, we have we have three podcasts going out this week again with, with this episode and another final episode of the Bridger Transmissions, at least as far as uh, regular rebels programming is concerned and journals of the willing will be back later this week and le- unless i pass out and die that's that's always the caveat i always leave that asterisk there just just because you never know but yeah crazy week across the board and um yeah but on the on the plus side we knock off seven days on the wait for han solo so that is that is now just 81 days away as we record and 79 days until it comes out when this drops. So that's that's sweet, guys. Right around the corner, baby. Remember, just almost here. three weeks ago, we were still in triple digits, and we weren't doing the co- countdown yet. Now we're well into the double digits. All right, well, let's let's plow right ahead here. We've got some, we've got some uh, shout-outs to give. 
So I want to say congratulations to James McDowell, a powerful friend, for winning the the Hernan. Or is it Canera? Yes. What do you think, Corey? Let's give it to the people. Canera, it is a little nicer, but it'll always be Hernan to me. <laughs> well, James, congrats, man. That is uh, That's in the mail. I got that out to you ASAP. It should be arriving uh, chez toi by you uh, very soon. Hopefully this week. Can I verify whether or not you getting that out ASAP means that Candace got that out ASAP? I'm just curious. Nope. that was It was all me, baby. Oh, well done, sir. <laughs> <laughs> all me. Actually, I haven't asked Candace to do that in, wow, since the beginning of the Powerful Friends program. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's That hasn't happened in a long I time. Thought, I thought she was bear, bearing some of the brunt of the shipping labors, but uh, I guess I was mistaken. No, no, just that you know, she has a, she has a uh, post office right around from her work. Right I remember you saying that. And so you know, sometimes she would go because the, the post office is embedded in a pharmacy, and so she just goes. You know, she'll do a little run at lunch to get to get some stuff at the pharmacy. Say, hey, do you mind dropping this off there for me? And she'll do that. But uh, lately, I've I've kind of fallen fallen into a regular routine where the week that I give it away. On Sith Disturbers, the following Saturday, I just show up at the post office and drop it in the mailbox. And that's how that works. And uh, a couple of welcomes to give out here. So welcome to the Powerful Friends program to Mike Meshalani or Mike Meshalani Russo, as you might recognize him on the Tumbling Saber Facebook group. He's been hanging around for a little while and has finally taken the plunge. So thank you, Mike. Welcome to the Powerful Friends officially, and uh, make yourself at home. Welcome, Mike. Welcome, yeah. Mikey. And if you if you have, I, I highlighted his Twitter presence. Um, I didn't actually know he was on Twitter. I was following him, but I didn't know it was him. So he's at, he's at Gundark2000 on Twitter. So go say oh, hi to Mike. nice. Awesome. Yeah, he was kind of stealthing in there. I had no idea it was him. Well, now I know too, because, yeah, we, we follow each other now as well. Gotcha, Mike. And... In another big development for the Star Wars Commonwealth, we just had another podcast added to the network. So hot on the heels of Tatooine Sons joining us, uh, we now add less than 12 parsecs podcast to the network. So Tim McMahon has been busy there for the last little while doing the fastest podcast in the Star Wars galaxy. And um, you can get the whole story. Just If you want to hear the story of how and why and how it all came together... He's got a nice podcast starring, guest starring Rob Williams from Gen X Wing, who really helped, uh, you know, stir that drink as as our, I guess, global director of talent acquisition. <laughs> <laughs> so you can listen to that. You can go check them out on iTunes. They're all over the place. Tim's everywhere you want to be found as far as podcasting goes. So you can find him on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, YouTube, all that stuff. Go check him out. It's a really cool podcast. It's just a few minutes each. And it comes out uh, several times a week. And you can also find him on Facebook, Google+, Instagram, Tumblr, and, of course, the Twitter machine. And Tim's a good guy. You, you know, he he really is passionate about Star Wars. And, uh, you, yeah, you can definitely squeeze in his podcast, which, generally speaking, are five to seven minutes. So you, you, can, you can handle that while you take care of uh, business in the mornings, getting your coffee and whatnot. But welcome, Tim. Glad to have you and the podcast is part of the network. Awesome. We're taking too long welcoming. Our welcome's longer than the show. I know. This is crazy. <laughs> but we, we, we're not yet done. We have one more congrats to, to give out here, and that is to our friend, 
one of the great one of the and, and this applies to Star Wars fandom in general. This is long overdue. I thought it was already done, but Neil Lowry is now a knight of the Star Wars Commonwealth, and I don't know if anybody deserves it more than Neil for all the support he gives so many of us. So, congrats, Neil. Welcome to, to the Knights of the Commonwealth, man. That is awesome. Richly deserved. Yes. Hopefully this will lift the spirits because that guy's always so down in the dumps. <laughs> <laughs> no, Neil. I mean, we we have a lot of positive people. We're really lucky to have a lot of positive people in our circles, but Neil is right up at the top. His, this guy, it's like his, it's his mission. He spreads positivity like it's his job, and he does a great job of it every day, just spurring on uh, many, many uh, podcasts in the Star Wars galaxy. So, Neil, thank you, sir, for all that you do. Yeah, you can almost say, like, Neil's a part of the cosmic force because he's, like, the light to meet the dark. He, yeah, he's got, he's, got, he's got big shoulders. That Neil, he can carry a lot of positivity and fight off a lot of darkness with his with his uh, good vibes. So again, welcome Neil. Congrats! All right, so we can now slide into the show proper, Corey. Any collecting update to share? Uh, indeed, I do actually this week quite quite a bit actually. Um, just keeping with the theme of our our powerful friends and the Commonwealth and all that. Um. Yeah, I found something out there, uh, something more powerful than you can possibly imagine. That uh, it's 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 for it's it's in there now. It's it's in our little treasure box for our powerful friends. Couldn't I could not help myself. Then uh, yeah, I don't know. I got to myself some Marvel Legends stuff. Uh, I actually found you. I, I gave Kyle a, a call the other day. These these forces of destiny dolls. They were marked down like I don't know. Man, they were marked down like seventy percent. <laughs> Like they were like nine bucks and eleven bucks for the uh, Leia uh, Empire Strikes Back with R two and the one uh, Return of the Jedi with Wicket. So I called him up and he was like, "Yeah, scoop those up for me." You know, so I was like, "Yeah, no problem." And uh, what else? Yeah, the Marvel Legends stuff. And last but not least, I uh, found myself another Funko robot. <laughs> I got. Uh, I found robot. Bender. Yeah, I found Bender. Oh, maybe the maybe the greatest robot robot of them all. He is. He's right up there. Corey, I don't mean to interrupt. Did I tell you I saw a six inch six inch DJ? Did you get that one yet? No, I did not. Uh oh. Oh. Uh oh. <laughs> Corey's gonna have nightmares now. Uh, <laughs> I'll get him eventually. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Uh, Corey Corey uh, messaged me today and said, "Oh my God, James, I saw this amazing." Funko Balrog. And I was like, that's awesome. It's like, I didn't get it for you, though. <laughs> I was just giving you a heads up. They had all kinds of... Uh, thanks for, thanks for telling me, Corey. Thanks, thanks for telling me. Yeah, now you know where to go. <laughs> but they had all kinds of Lord of the Rings stuff, you know, and me too, I wanted one. Like, I told you, if they would have had a Gollum, I would have snatched that right up. But, you know, you open that can of worms, you're, where does it stop? Again, with Lord of the Rings, like, you're not going to want to stop. You wanna, you're going to want to collect them all. You know, Corey, not, not everybody has no self-control. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So is that it for your collecting update? Yeah, pretty much. It was a good one this week. Uh, I was pretty happy that I needed that therapy. Oh, poor guy. Yep. <laughs> well, James, since Corey mentioned the Balrog, let, let's, let's open that door a little bit wider. How, how's things going at the Green Door podcast? 
going really well, actually. Thanks for asking. We're sort of finding our groove, and we, we're a couple of chapters in, and we're getting finally getting some feedback. So uh, yeah, no, we're, we're we're having fun with it. We just recorded episode five last night, and I got a, I got editing to do on that over the next couple of days. Well, you guys don't sound like you're finding your footing. You guys sound like you are in the groove now, for sure. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, you've heard uh, uh, at least uh, a few of them. I don't know where, where you're at with it, but are you reading, Kyle? <sighs> I have not been reading anything at all. Like I'm, we're we're reading, uh, we're doing journals of the willing this week, and I have not read the material yet to cover that. So, well, have, have fun staying up all night then. I know I can't blame Corey for not doing his Silmarillion reading because I have his book still upstairs in my living room. <laughs> I've been Sorry, pretty buddy. good, actually. Wow. You'd be impressed, James. Doing what were you doing? That. Well, just the amount of comics I've been reading and stuff. And I, I actually cracked open hindsight as well. Good for you, man. I know you do have a back catalog to work through. So I will get you that Silmarillion um, soon enough. And anybody who else who uh, hasn't heard yet, come pick up that book and... and uh, Take a listen to the Green Door podcast. Uh, maybe you'll learn something about that book that you didn't know. Now on iTunes, which makes things a lot easier. Yeah, it's definitely getting uh, hit a little bit more now that we're on the big show. So yeah, if you like iTunes, you can find us there. Absolutely. Do it. Do that. Go listen to that podcast. It's, it's a lot of fun. And of course, Ads is there. Yeah, Ads is doing a great job over there. And May, May's fantastic. And she's doing a bunch of vlog stuff for us. So uh, nothing, nothing but positives to talk about on the green door front yeah no may is may is like a content producer extraordinaire yeah she's she's also a writer and she's very close to getting her novel published i think she's done nine rights of it like wow. before she's taken it to her publisher wow rewrite complete, complete workovers. she's a bit of a perfectionist but um yeah keep your eyes open for that too that's incredible so there's at least a couple of writers in our midst then it in the uh I guess Commonwealth, the the greater Commonwealth community. I guess uh, talent attracts talent, and then uh, and then they they let, they let us hang out there too. I don't know. I suppose. <laughs> Jeez, starting to feel bad about myself. <laughs> All right, um, let's let's really jump in here to some Star Wars talk. Uh, last week we saw the solo international theatrical poster. What did you guys think of this one? I, I, James, I think we spoke about it. Corey, what, what was your take on this poster? Well, slightly underwhelming, to be honest. I mean, it's all right. I find it a little bland. It kind of gives a bit of a Western flair, I guess. But uh, I guess they could have, <laughs> I don't know. They could have stylized it a little more. I mean, it looks like they're strutting, which is kind of funny. Like, Chewie's got like a slight head cock. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. It's just like I said, like, it's got three main three main characters, Falcon being one of them uh but i don't know i just feel like uh, the character posters I, I found were much much better but uh well, did it's, you see it's the, okay. the, uh, the controversy around those posters now yeah the legacy recordings it's it's clearly a direct ripoff oh, of it's, that. A, it's an absolute complete ripoff it's it's bad it actually looks really really bad on disney lucasfilm whatever studio produced those posters it's a bad look guys they need yeah, to come out and, and really uh, own that. Someone in the marketing department is going to be in trouble because, man, I'd have to say not only one, but I'd say a handful of people did not do their homework on that one. Did you see that, James? I did not. So the deal is there's this uh, – it's a, it's a collection of – it's like a music collection. There's, there's a disco CD and a, uh, I think a Western one, a jazz one. 
and they look exactly yeah funk one so you know the the first the character posters from solo is had the course yeah Yeah. they were really sharp they looked really good turns out this collection of of cds uses the exact same style same concept yeah Uh, the legacy recordings from sony like it's exactly the same pretty much same colors same colored background it's it's brutal what a ripoff and i don't i'll i guess i'll issue a mea culpa if at some point lucasfilm goes no no this is a a tribute to and here's where we got the the okay from the artist or whatever like I, i'll say whoops sorry but at this point i don't know that that exists yeah but the, the artist said right away they had no no permission whatsoever to use the art oh really i didn't know yeah. that yeah. <laughs> Oopsie. Somebody's about to get paid. Get well, I was going to say, it sounds paid. to me like Disney's about to buy Sony. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why yeah, would just, they? Just, just to get the Spider-Verse into the MCU. <laughs> I, you know, give it a couple years. You never know. But yeah, I guess... Um, we all kind of have the same reaction to the posters. They're okay. I, I, I think they'll be forgettable within a couple of years. Well, right now it's like, okay, they're, it's fun. It's got some nice coloring to it. And it's got, oh, there's there's Han and there's Chewie. They look great. Totally forgettable. You're right. That's the right word. I'm, I'm going to imitate Corey's reaction. It's <laughs> 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 an underwhelming blend. That was my first initial takes. And that's and- kind of sad too because we, we had this – discussion leading up to rogue one with all the it's a kind of a big deal you know like sell this sell it man well yeah. I think we're still going to get the official theatrical poster which hopefully is going to you know be conceptually a lot a lot more thoughtful but you know we, we complained about the the force awakens poster artwork they were all really really boring but then T- uh, the last jedi was was awesome and rogue one had some really nice posters to it so I I feel like they've righted that ship until until Solo, where they went and ripped off one artist and uh, put out something pretty generic. What, what about the hovering spaceship? Gave it a Western feel for you, Corey? Well, I guess it's just the almost as if like like cause the, the dirt's being spread right in the background in its wake, almost like I guess like horses would be you know like riding. It could be more stylized in that regard, and that's what I'm hoping to go with. Like in the next posters we see, I'd like to see almost like an animated touch to it, like with a more Western vibe. Well, we'll see. I mean, that's that's got to drop eventually. Like I said, 79 days away. All right, and now, um, so I guess it's not really sad news. It's inevitable news, but John Williams suggests that Episode Nine will be his last Star Wars film. Pretty strange to hear it, like hear those words come out of his mouth, right? Because we've talked about this at some point in the past. We said, eventually he's going to step away. But it's weird hearing it from his mouth, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. I, I think his, his exact words were, and that'll be quite enough for me. But yeah, his quote is, We know J.J. Abrams is preparing one now that I will hopefully do next year for him. I look forward to it. It will round out a series of nine, and that will be quite enough for me. Now, I don't know if that means I'm I'm going to be done with music then, or I'm I'm that's enough Star Wars for me. Thank you. I have no idea what that means, but at this point, either way, he's he, he's earned the opportunity to call his own shot. 
I, I, I like that too. Well, I don't say I'd like that, but it'd be nice for him to end on that high note um, and tie it all together with Star Wars being like his last project. Uh, well, I mean, Star Wars was far from his first project. I mean, he'd already been a composer for, I want to say, a decade before A New Hope came along. I mean, just just about if you want to talk about big works that he that he had done, like he did Jaws right. two years before A New Hope. Super Superman, indie. Well, those weren't before A New Hope. No, no, but still. But no, he'd but been, I, know, I just he'd been. I feel like he has the most atta- the most attachment to Star Wars, pretty much. Like, yes, he's done all these other great things, but I don't know. It's always come back to this, you know. I mean, I think it's certainly his most famous work. Just just by sheer volume and the size of, of the fandom that it caters to. But I mean, you'd have to ask him and maybe he's already talked about it at some point in an interview or something, but I bet you there's a, there's a, a soundtrack for a really small film or a much smaller film where he's like, no, that I think that was probably my best work. But I'm just, well, I'm just shooting darts here in the dark. I don't know. It's like Star Wars and John guess. Williams. They're like synonymous in a way, you know, and it's like at least, Again, like, this is no surprise to me, really. I mean, even him doing up to number nine, and even he said, hopefully, you know, like, uh, you know, knock on wood. We're so lucky to have just had that. And the impression and footprint that he's left on this this franchise uh, as, like, a beacon for everyone moving forward, all uh, future composers to look at, like, uh, the blueprints that he laid out for Star Wars music. Like who? That's not to say that Star Wars music won't change as Star Wars kind of grows and ages, but I have a feeling for the time being we're kind of locked into this symphonic uh, vibe for Star Wars, and I don't know, man. We have him to thank for it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been spoiled rotten, right, for forty years, forty-two by the time he's done with it all. But uh, do you think he's going to approach Episode Nine any differently than he approaches the others? Like, no, like with him knowing it's probably his last Star Wars score. Do you think he puts a little extra mustard on that on that score, or do you think he just approaches it like a pro, like any other movie, and just does his job? I'd hope to mm. that he. I'd like to see he has like a, an ace up his sleeve, but then again, he has to read the script. He's got to play off the script and what the script tells him, or you know, like how he's feeling about that. So it's all kind of dependent on that. But uh, I kind of hope to see if this is like his last hurrah, if you will. I'd like to see here something like, wow, like John Williams just blew my mind again. Well, I think he's already kind of been through this once with Revenge of the Sith. Like you never, I don't, I don't think he knew that there was going to be. He had to have thought probably that that was it, right? Like it was over. He had to think that. And that's a really bombastic soundtrack. So I don't, I don't know. I wonder if he said, well, if this is going to be it for Star Wars, I really need to just pound this one out and it's got to be big and bold. And of course the movie calls for that too, but Holy smokes. He, he really left it all out there for revenge of the Sith. And I, I, I guess when you conclude a trilogy, that's kind of the name exactly. of the game. Yeah. But I, I get the sense that for him, this is all about Ray because when he was officially asked to come back to do the last Jedi, he asked Kathleen Kennedy he said, is Ray in it? She said, yep. And he said, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> Yeah, he, he specifically said that he doesn't want anyone else writing music for Ray but him. Yeah, he has some kind of like very 
grandpa-like paternal attachment to the character. And he he wants to do her music. So as long as if, if Ray's a nine, and I think we know the answer to that one, uh, he's going to do the music. So one more John Williams score, which sounds really weird to say, but again, this is inevitable. So hopefully it's going to be a great one. I'm, you know, we've, we've got eight great scores already. I'm sure this one will be, will be no different. He's, and he's got a lot to build on. He's done some really, really good stuff in, in the sequel trilogy. All right, so now we have some really cool stuff, which I think here we're going to spend the bulk of the new section of the show. So we all know the Last Jedi novelization is coming, and I think fandom is more excited about this novelization than any other, just because of what went on in that movie. It, it was so dense, and we all had to know that so much stuff went into the, I guess, backstory of the movie, that there's just going to be so, such, so much gold. And so uh, Dark, Dark, Dork Side of the Force picked up uh, this list. It's a pretty extensive list um, of, of little bullet points that are in the novelization that were not in the movie. So I figured that, you know, we all have the list, the three of us here. Let's just go through it. And if, if there was something that really stood out to you, let's, let's kick that around. We're, by no means do we have the time to do all bullet points, but hopefully we can hit on a few of the more interesting ones and, and see where it goes. So Corey, why don't you kick it off? What what makes sense? What uh, stands out to you? Well, again, like you just said, the, the sheer volume of this is quite astounding. Like I was not expecting all that much. And uh, towards the top of the list, all these things are so cool. Not all of them as significant, but uh, Chewie fixes the Falcon. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, Chewie undoing all of the bad work that Unkar Plutt had done. Yeah. Now that's a cool little mention. He he must have done that really quickly though, and that's and we don't know really any of these the, the deeper details yet. But I guess he did that on Acto while waiting. For I don't know, it's going to be interesting to pick that, pick those details up. James, what stood out to you? Uh, I'm trying to open the uh, the hyperlink now, but I wanted to talk about the Ankar Plut thing. If Chewie's got time to fix all of this, all of these problems. Is there going to be more of a? Is there a built-in time jump that we that we don't know about? Do you know what I mean? Like, is that a realistic thing f- to happen? Well, we don't know how long they were on Dakar, like once they arrived back from blowing up Starkiller Base. Like, we we don't know yeah. how long it was until Ray Ray and Chewie left for Acto. It could have been later that day, or it could have been, they could have hung out for a week or so and. Deep, did, did some debriefing and then took off. Like we just we just don't know. And then the trip itself to Acto was it hours or was it weeks? Yeah, I suppose, and it's always the length of plot, anyways, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> um, I guess sort of as I'm scrolling down the list here, and it jumped out at me both times. Is Snoke has murdered and destroyed legions of countless adversaries who underestimated him in, in times past. We didn't really get a whole lot of Snoke being very badass in the movies. So I guess they're going to badass him up a little bit more. Yeah. And oh boy. A whole the- lot of this is of these bullet points are, are centered on Snoke, right? Like, so anybody who was disappointed in, in not getting Snoke backstory is sure going to get a heavy dose of it. it or, or so it seems in this last Jedi novelization, 
But yeah, murdered and destroyed legions of countless adversaries. Like, that sounds Darth Vader-esque. Now, I wonder if that means he's he did it himself, or if he had people do yeah, it for him. That's true. I read it as if he did it himself, but it doesn't necessarily have to mean that. You're right. But I have to say, I was shocked in that regard, too, because there, there's two links that I looked at, and uh, the second one was almost all about Snoke. I, I couldn't believe it. Like, there's... All kinds of stuff, like even back to the time where Palpatine was sensing him and he, he's kind of had this little plan all along. He, I think he was even a part of the Empire at one point. So we're going to get a lot on him and his rise to power, as well as the unknown regions where uh, I'm super interested in that. And, you know, he went to this area to, to rebuild the First Order and kind of like build everything up. But he also learned a whole bunch of secrets about the dark side as well while there. Yeah. So do you still think that he's Jedi Prime in that little stone mosaic from the Hakto Temple? Given all this stuff that we've we've seen, you still think that's him? No, I don't necessarily. It could be a species, but not necessarily him. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I'm gonna say it's not. It's not him, and it's not his species either. Um, one thing. The first thing on the list jumped out to me where Han Solo carved a Leia figurine out of. Endor wood the night before the Battle of Endor, and it is burned years later. Did anyone peg Han Solo for a woodcarver? Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't figure he would have any artistic skill whatsoever. It's kind of a nice little tidbit, though. Well, Corey, let me ask you. Uh, w- would it be okay if he carved Kira a figurine? Sure. <laughs> Are you sure? Nice little throwback, yeah. I agree. I think that would be nice to see him give her something. And I think maybe in the uh, the prologue, I guess, to, to to the Han Solo movie, if if they're going to do that, which I think they will, it'd be nice to see that end if they're, if they're going to part ways where he gives her something to remember him by. And she takes off with that thing. But another thing that I, I thought might be nice in episode nine... So we know that so the full the full thing here is it is burned years later during a brief memorial service for Solo before the evacuation of Dakar. So we're going to get Han Solo's funeral which is right off the hop is going to be pulling at our heartstrings, right? This is something we did not get at all on screen, but we'll get it here and I'm sure it's going to be pretty emotional. But my head jumped ahead to episode 9. And I wonder if one way to handle Leia's death and Kylo's possible redemption would be let's let's say to have kylo showing up at a grave and it's 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 his mom buried with han so leia and han in the same grave and uh you know kylo visiting their grave at the end of episode nine and then taken off to do whatever i think that could be a nice scene right that's pretty interesting yeah but even at that like some of these things, like what kind of more indicates that as well is that they they said that Kylo was about to shoot Leia, but then he sensed that she wasn't mad at him, so he didn't. And had he not been so surprised by that meeting, he would have stopped the blaster fire from the other TIE fighters. Yeah. He would have used the force to stop that. That is interesting, and it's it paints a really weird picture of, of Kylo's psyche. Like, if you're not mad at me, I'm not going to kill you. It's almost like he, he gets off on the fact that somebody's mad at him. So then he'll take them out. 
But otherwise, oh, if you're not mad at me, I'm not going to bother with you. That, that struck me as very interesting and, and weird. Kylo's a weird, weird guy. Yeah, it's like it's almost as if he would have turned almost or it would have been that much easier for him to turn anyhow. Yeah. How about this one? C-3PO restarts his droid spy network. I like that one. I had a little asterisk beside that one. Can, can you see this turning into a comic series or something? Hell yeah. Definitely. I can totally see this becoming something. Some sort of string of content. I don't know if it's... it's. I'd go as far as saying it. this could be the basis of an animated show. But I can see... I can sure see this turning into something. I like it too. It kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. Hey, why not? Why not? How, how about... How about Leia's force abilities are actually like super strong? Was that one of the bullets? Yep. Where is it? Her force abilities are strong with a keen ability to sense the emotions and feelings of others, even from a substantial distance. Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of goes back right to the OT. Em- she, yeah, Empire. She, she could feel Luke from afar when he was dangling from the weather vane, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's pretty cool. I'm, I I like I want to learn more about what Leia knows about the Force, to what extent she can use it. Bring that on, I say. James, you got a take on that? Well, I mean, you can't back you can't go back now. I would have said before the last movie that you know I didn't see a lot of evidence that she should be a, a Force user, but now, um, you know, the sort of. Uh, Floodgates are open, and yeah, I guess she could be a strong. She is not could be, but is a strong force user, and sounds like she's got like a a niche carved out in the force. Like she's good at certain parts of it. So, yeah, I think I think every Jedi has some things they are innately good at, right? And feeling people's emotions or state of mind it could be her thing, and it seems to have trickled down to Kylo as well. Um, but yeah, it's I like that they still kept. They're trying to walk a fine line, right? They're, I think, trying to have their cake and eat it too with Leia, giving her Force powers without pushing her too far towards the Jedi path. Like it was—it's clear that she's she chose like political service over, you know, caving into uh, Jedi training. Luke showed her some stuff, but that's that's kind of where it ends. She's kind of innately powerful too, you know. Yeah, she, I'm sure she figured a few things out on her own. Like, I'm not saying again that she's like all powerful, but she's got the hang of certain things. Like when she resists the mind probe in A New Hope, was that resistance force powered or is she just strong willed? I think it's a bit of both. It's like when your dopamine levels or whatever when uh, you're getting that adrenaline rush, I think it kind of coincides. Yeah, it's probably both. <laughs> Who's kidding who? Uh, Leia was not happy about Luke abandoning the fight due to his failure with Ben Solo. I I wondered, guys, if... I always wondered if there was a falling out between Luke and Leia because of what happened with Ben. So I'm really anxious to see how that played out. Really, really anxious to see if she harbored any ill will toward him. It doesn't seem like it. By the end of The Last Jedi, anyhow. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like... It felt a little bit to me like she was not angry with him, but there was there was 
I'm not, I'm not even gonna call it fr- like frosty, but it's not like she was super happy to see Luke. <clears throat> you know what I mean? No, I I think she was happy. I think there was you can kind of tell that there something had transpired, and it's obvious to the audience at that point is that he disappeared, and it's the last time that with with her son and all that, you know, like uh, I don't know. I kind of I didn't really feel like she was all that mad at him at that time. So. Did she know that it wasn't Luke? I mean, that he wasn't there? Yeah. I believe she did. Yeah, that it was a force projection, she knew. Okay. That's, I think that's been cleared up. But the the way she looks at him, I don't, you know, whether, I guess it depends on your interpretation, but did she look at him with this, like, there's that look of astonishment on her face. Is it because he's there and she's like, oh my God, I haven't seen Luke since, you know, it's been years since I've seen Luke. Or is it the look of, how are you doing this? Yeah, it could be could be more that if she, if she's aware, then it could be just a, you know, wow, that's amazing. I think it's a little bit of everything. Again, again, you think it's a, a bit of both? <laughs> oh, I mean, come on, it's a pretty complicated uh, scenario there. Yeah, well, I, I guess I can't argue with that. Oh, uh, how, how about how about? Hans Dice that uh, Kylo Ren this this would have made the movie a little more significant but again they can't really flash back all that much like they did it with Luke and Kylo but novelization is a good place to kick it around but supposedly Kylo Ren uh, as Ben Solo used to have a real affinity for Hans Dice when he actually like glorified his father and really looked up to him so I thought that's kind of a nice way to look at it once you see the end of The Last Jedi and see around kid with the dice and all that. Uh... Well, it feels like they're going to paint a sympathetic picture for, for Ben Solo. Like we're going to get these scenes where he's just going to be this little boy who loves his father. And eventually we know that his father's going to let him down. So that kind of puts you in Ben's corner, at least, at least for a little while, saying maybe all this stuff that's happened to him is not entirely his fault. <laughs> maybe this is a complicated situation with him. He's got too much Vader in him. There's also a little bullet here that he likes to destroy household items. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that that Skywalker temper. Uh, James, you got you got anything else? Um, I, I'm not gonna read the book. So all of this stuff is like, I, I have to admit, as I read through the bullet points, I'm 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 I wish they'd put it in the movie. Like I. I guess I could just pick up the book and not be, you know, <laughs> and that's the simple explanation, but it's too bad. Like, I wish I did have more of these, the information behind these bullet points, but I know I'll, the only way I'll get it is, is by asking you guys sort of what happened. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm absolutely <laughs> which, reading this book. I don't all, I, too I bad. haven't read, they have, I haven't read the TFA novelization and I have the rogue one novelization, but I haven't read that yet either. But this one I will absolutely read it. it they're just, there's too much in here to, to gloss over. If there was one I was going to read based on these bullet points, it might be this one. Like, there's a lot of stuff in here that I'm really curious about. And a lot of it revolves around Snoke, like you said. I'm, I'm pretty curious about this guy. That it, it sounds to me like I'm going to hate the way they killed him even more in the movie. Like, because he didn't, he went down pretty easy for him to be that badass. So I'm, I am really intrigued. Yeah. I mean, for the, for the pay, for the, for killing Snoke to really pay off, like, Kylo really has to be insanely powerful or just doing really insane stuff 
in episode nine. Otherwise, if you if he's just just sitting in his seat in his throne and wasting that time, then then yeah, the the whole left turn of Snoke's death is going to feel wasted. Well, not even like Snoke's. I like that scene just because Cutley's like, yes, like as you turn the saber, like you strike down your true enemy, all that. Like he thinks he's f- having these feelings toward Ray, but I guess Kylo's kind of able to block out that certain portion and like Snoke's so focused. But what about this, James? I know you had some issues with, with Luke and all that. I thought this was kind of interesting. When Ray gets to the island, you notice that Luke's wearing his Jedi robes and you're like, Okay, like he's a Jedi. That's how we see him in The Force Awakens. But supposedly in the book, we're going to find out that as Rey got there, he was literally just about to – he dressed up in his robes, his Jedi robes, and was about to burn the tree in the books right there before she got there. Like that was his – like after – that was the culmination of his, his time there. It was like, oh, now is the time. And then he sees her and he's like, huh? Hmm. Well, isn't that something? Uh, does that fit? I don't know. Uh, that's that's odd that he that's odd, and then he goes and throws away the lightsaber. Is the first thing he does. If he's so. Well, I don't I, know. I, I, I do want to read about that, obviously, because what are you doing, just standing there staring out at the sea? Like, get on with it. Go burn. The, go, go burn the tree already. How about how about this? This I knew. I knew. I know you knew I was going to bring this up, Kyle, but. Ray is a manifestation of the will of the cosmic force. So now we have the living force and the cosmic force, which was, ah, man, that's pretty mental. Well, we've, we've always had that. I think we, we, but, we touch on both in the Phantom Menace. Maybe, maybe not by word, but yeah, we've, we, we've definitely had living force and cosmic force in, in canon before. Anyway, I, I like it. The cosmic force is like the will of the universe and raise like a manifestation of that, which is pretty neat. Does that make her another chosen one? I don't know, because they say they say that Anakin and Luke were instruments of the cosmic force as well. Yeah, because Anakin was the chosen one. And if, maybe it's like the force was like facepalm. I'm guessing I'm going to have to conjure up something else to help push Anakin, the ch- real chosen one in the right direction. So along comes, well, does that even make sense? Like, I'm not even going to try and figure this out. Cause I, I'm not crazy about the whole idea of the will of the universe. I find it just, I've said it before. I just find it too convenient as, as a, as a plot device to say, ah, oh, we just need this to happen. So it's the will of the force done. I don't, I don't like it as a concept really. If it's used too often or too lazily, I, I'm not I think a big it's a, fan of that. I think it's like balance. Like you said, there can't be too much of one thing more than the other, I guess. But how's this one, uh, James? This one's right toward the end. Supposedly, if Ray and Kylo had had not touched hands and Luke walked in on them, Luke was going to go back to the resistance with Ray. Yeah, that, that one... Ugh. Really? Please explain that to me. That doesn't that doesn't jive with this Luke. What? Like, why would he have gone? Like, so that's all it took. That's how fle- that's how indecisive and fleeting Luke is. It was <laughs> he. I he's. I prefer not. I'd I'd prefer if that wasn't the case because at least he seemed convict. He like he had conviction in what he believed in. 
But that just makes it sound like he's like scorned, like he's a bit pissed. So he stormed. Well, I don't know. Maybe he just knows what Kylo Ren's become, and that she, he's tricking her. You know? No, I realize, but that's like a complete one eighty. Like hmm. he it's, it's interesting. Yeah, there's yeah, these are all bullet points, right? There could be all kind. There could be chapters surrounding this stuff. So you got to take all this stuff with a grain of salt for the time being. But that one struck me as really weird and really dangerous. And that's why sometimes it's safer to leave things in a novel because because of the nature of the novel in terms of canon. Like, it can be contradicted. I mean, you can treat what you read as canon. But if somebody wants to contradict it on screen, they can. But that's that is a that's a touchy one for me. It doesn't make sense. Like it feels like he's like, "Oh, I'm taking my ball and going home." Yeah, a little. And that that does not sit too well. So I'm I'm glad that one stays in the novel. But again, maybe maybe they, maybe it sounds or reads better once you get more context. Um let's see. Luke at one point during his search for Jedi lore connected with Snoke to gain knowledge of the Force. It's unsure if Luke knew of Snoke's evil intentions or not. That's interesting. Yeah. I really, I, I wonder if, if what they know about each other, were they partners at some point? That's, this is really interesting. There's, there's loads of potential there for, for some really cool um, uncovering of, of Jedi lore and force lore and all that stuff. Corey's going to have to read this book twice. Seriously. And it, it tie, this ties back to another bullet with Luke and R2-D2 explored the galaxy for decades. Yeah, that was interesting, eh? Mm-hmm. I mean, we got a little bit of it in Legends of Luke Skywalker novel, which came out before The Last Jedi, but I, I will read more of this as long as they want to give it to me. I'm really, really looking forward to reading that part of it all. But it, you know, it sounds like we're we're looking at these this list of bullet points. And I don't know, this is like two or three dozen bullet points easily. Where's the movie? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's there's so much here for them to talk about. And this is all stuff that is not in the movie. That's crazy. Yeah, it's kind to of me. It's, yeah. It's there's a that's what I was saying at the beginning. I was really surprised at like and the meatiness of some of this stuff is it's awesome. Yeah, like this is really, really big stuff. I like uh, this will give a little more background to Snoke again. Like, I think it's Battlefront uh, where they touch on Operation Cinder, which is like basically like Palpatine, uh, Palpatine's like plan once he's dead to make sure the Empire rises again, like the Fourth Reich or whatever. And it's almost as if Snoke was kind of a savvy to all that and just kind of slipped right into the leader position. Yeah, absolutely. Like he just he was just laying in the weeds. Like there, there's a bullet here that that Palpatine sent sensed, sensed him. I was just gonna read that one next. Yeah. Yeah, he sensed him through the Force uh, before his death, but was wasn't sure what he was sensing. And you know that's gonna drive Palpatine nuts. I'm sure he touched on something powerful when he when he connected with Snoke, and then was just like, "What the hell?" And then dies. But yeah, some really interesting stuff there about Snoke as, in terms of how he. How he came to take control of the First Order. Like he, he was an unexpected leader of the First Order. 
That that to me is is really surprising. Like imperial leadership who survived the Battle of Jakku did not foresee his rise to power. Why not? Like, I, I want to know why. It's weird. And so all these guys that were kept around, and we read about them in the Aftermath novels, uh, those Gallius Rax, who many of us, myself included, thought maybe was Snoke, and then Ray but, Sloan, know- and uh, Ormes, Ormus, uh, Apollon, Brendel Hux, who was General Hux's dad. Like, So the bullet here is the Supreme Leader either killed them or arranged for their death himself. Only Armitage Hux, General Hux from The Last Jedi, is spared, but Snoke only uses him as a tool. He is a tool. He is kind of a tool. The uh, But there's a, bullet, there's a couple of bullet points here that might explain why no one saw his rise coming. It says, Snoke discovered many truths about the Force in the Unknown Regions. Maybe when he, you know, before he left on his journey, he was nothing. And whatever he found, like, completely changed his game, you know? Yeah, I wonder if Ryan Johnson's movies might not take place in the Unknown Regions. I don't know if that's too far of a departure. Or if it's if it's a good way to say, I wipe my hands clean of that galaxy. And here's the rules and here's how this part of the galaxy works, where Snoke comes from. Hmm. How's this for one? Snoke does not need Ray for her powers like Sidious did with Luke. But he muses that she would have been a worthy apprentice in his past endeavors. Now, is that like past endeavors as in the sense that like his rise to power or is it like past? Like, what did he do long, long time ago? Yeah, that is interesting because that that ties to a bullet that comes a couple uh, items after where Snoke contemplates that after Kylo Ren kills Rey and the resistance is destroyed, he'll rethink Kylo's future or even kill him. So it it sounds like Snoke doesn't need an apprentice. Like Palpatine always wanted an apprentice to do his dirty work for him. You know, that rule of two thing. But Snoke just seems like he's kind of happy. He's he's okay if he if he's the lone wolf. And it also it also reinforces that Han was right that that Snoke is using Kylo. Like Han says Han says um he'll crush you when he's done with you. Uh, I, I would have just liked to see it for a greater means, you know, like, but no, it really just seems like he used him to get to where he was and that's it. Like there was no like great f- mystery of the force to be unlocked. Well, I'm sure there was, I mean, there's there had to be something because uh, there's another bullet that uh, Snoke respects the fact that Luke sought out mm-hmm. the same sort of knowledge and truth on his Jedi quests. Yeah, I like that. So again, I mean, that's that's again, that's that's sort of this meeting in the middle somewhere, right? It it almost sounds like gray area balance type stuff. Knowledge, knowledge is power. I mean, there's there's so much more. I mean, you guys can go check out uh, Dork Side of the Force if you want to read some more bullets. But man, this this novelization is going to really, really. Uh, I don't I don't want to call it a must read. But this is close. As far if, if you really want to get some backstory and some some more of the deeper lore behind some of the characters that we didn't get to know very well, then uh, this book is definitely for you. All right, I think we can take a little break now. Break time. Let's do it. All righty. 
So we'll we'll take a little break and then we'll come back with a loaded binary sunset kicking it all off with ads who's got some company this week. Hello chaps. Okay, so I've got a couple of little helpers with me today for uh, this week's question. So over to Charlie for the question. Okay, so the question is um this week's one what are, what what are your favorite scenes from all the different Star Wars films? Good question. Okay, so Sebastian, what's your favorite scene from The Force Awakens? Um I liked a bit when Poe and Finn had the big fight and they tried to get in the TIE Fighter. Oh, good one. And what happened when they got in the TIE Fighter? Could they get away? They got away, but they got attacked. They got attacked? Who were they attacked by? Big cannons. Big cannons. And were they chased by anything? Yes. What were they chased by? TIE Fighters. TIE Fighters. Great answer, Sebby. Okay, Charlie, what's your favourite scene from the... Um... My favourite scene is when Finn and Rey escape from the TIE Fighters in the Millennium Falcon. Oh, that's another good one, isn't it? When they fly inside the ship. Yeah. Yeah. I like that bit. Okay, so my favourite scene, boys, from um, The Force Awakens is the big battle at the end between Rey and Kylo. Kylo, Because I like the bit when the lightsaber goes flying past and Rey catches it. No, you, like you mean it goes in the snow and Wade just forces it back. That's and right. Ky- and Kylo Wren quite tries to do it, but Wade just got it quickly. Exactly that. Well done. Okay, so I think that's, that's I mean a good just, question. I mean, just Wade got the lightsaber first. He did. Yes, yeah, she did. Well done. So. But it was Finn's but <laughs> just fell out of his hand and he was dead. Okay, that's good. Shall we? Shall we? Shall we finish it now? Yeah. Right. Um, so the question is. As Charlie said, which are your favourite scenes from each of the different Star Wars films? So, have a good show. I'll say bye. 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 Take care. And there goes Ads with a couple of Padawans. Charlie and Sebastian. Hey, guys. How's it going? What's going on, boys? What's going on, boys? Thank you guys for writing in or voicing in. What do you say in that case, Corey? Thank you for phoning in. No, that doesn't work. Uh, thank you for sending us um, the most awesome message ever. <laughs> it seems like uh, Sebastian just—he was just going off on his tangent there. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, it's awesome. So thanks, Two guys. Bros, man. This sounds familiar. You, you guys got something special there, Charlie and Seb. Take take advantage of that, man. Yup, brother acts within the Commonwealth. They're they're becoming more of a common thing here. There's a Tatooine Sons reference. If you didn't get that. Um, okay, Corey. For for ads and the crew, let's go through our favorite scenes from each Star Wars film. I'll I'll kick it off. The Phantom Menace, easy call for me. Maul versus the Jedi. Yeah, Duel of Fates. Duel of the Fates. So yeah, I cool. got the same thing. Yeah, we we looked for that forward to that for so long. Let's just remember how, like what we thought when we first saw that, right? Like it was that was taking lightsaber battle choreography. Like dialing it up to eleven compared to what we saw in the OT, it was incredible to see that just in the in the trailers. Holy cow! Look at that! Look how fast these guys are moving. Yeah, not only that, uh, John Williams pumping the jams. 
Yeah, I mean, we, we still don't really have anything quite like Duel of the Fates. That's yeah, that's, was, that's a classic, man. Yeah, and it was original, too, at the time. So it was like, man, it was a pretty amped up song at the time. Yeah, it was it was terrific and, and, and a great duel. I think it still stands up near the top of, of Star Wars duels. All right, Attack of the Clones. What do you got for your favorite scene there? Uh, uh, the, first, the first thing that comes to mind, I guess, is begun the Clone Wars has with Yoda. Like the ending to that is just so epic with the view of the clone army and all that. Really love that. But it's a, that's a short scene. So a little bit of a longer scene is toward the beginning of the movie. Um, just the, the chase scene. Oh, that's what I have. That was Sam Wessel there. That's, that's awesome. The way Anakin whips out of the garage super quick. And you can kind of see how he's a bit, uh, like a teenage radical, the way he's like laughing as they're like dive bombing. And I love, I love that yellow, like hot rod speeder. It's probably my, one of my favorite vehicles from that movie. Yeah, the way he just jumps out of the uh, the ship too at one point. Yeah, yeah, there was certainly that sense of adventure in that scene. And the, the way Obi, the way it starts too with like uh, those centipedes or whatever, and then Obi Wan jumping out the window. There is one shot of Obi Wan, and it's it, it looks so dumb. He's he's just like hanging and dangling, and he's just got this look on his face like, wonder where we're going. Like he's not doing anything. He's just totally dangling for his life it's hilarious i laugh every he's, time he's, he's zen yeah and yeah i mean I, i'm gonna watch attack of the clones again soon i think i'm always giving that movie the gears for being like the worst but i'm gonna watch it again because I, I i watched a couple of youtube clips while while you know thinking about this uh this question here from the guys i'm like man i do have some like nostalgic twinges for this movie i gotta i gotta check it out yeah i saw it again recently over over the holidays and i had, I had fun watching it and this is kind of sad but it's it's actually the star wars film that i've seen the most in theater i think you mentioned that once that is, that is pretty odd all right move on to revenge of the sith what have you got uh again a short one but the, the construction of the Death Star where Vader's there with him, with Palpatine, just looking over it and you just see the like the skeleton structure of the Death Star. That's like pretty epic. That is pretty cool. That was like an oh damn moment for us. Right? We know what that is. I wonder what Palpatine would have said in that moment. Like I feel like almost like that could have been a, a robot chicken thing where he goes, oh, cool. Like I, I like where this project's going, guys. How long is it scheduled to take? About 20 years. <laughs> I wonder if Palpatine would have fried the guy on the spot. Well, I think the the only the major issue there was the kyber crystal, no? Yeah, it was really the the the, the space laser that they couldn't figure out. Yeah, they had some issues around that. I think they touched on it in Catalyst, right? Yeah, big time. And then and what's his face uh Galen or so. Yeah, he he was stalling, and then he, of course, he took off for a while. They were hidden for a couple of years. Oh, he figured it out for a long time before. Oh, he could have finished it, but he was stalling. He was trying to not get it done. Okay, uh, let's go. Let's move into the original trilogy. Favorite scene from A New Hope. 
I'll, I'll give you this one because so, it's I think this movie was the hardest of all for me because it, it it feels like a two hour favorite moment. But in the end, I'm going to I'm going to go with Obi-Wan uh, telling Luke about his father, the Jedi, the lightsaber before the dark times, before the Empire, all that stuff. I think I think now with all that we've seen, that's my favorite scene from A New Hope. Yeah, well, if you can include the Leia hologram in there, then yeah. Sure, of course. Yeah, that's on my list then, because, you know, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're, you're my only hope, especially after The Last Jedi again. Like, it just seems so much more relevant now. Uh, but another quick one is the binary sunset. Just the music, him staring off into the distance. Like, every time I see that, I think I get chills. Is that a scene or a moment, though? Yeah, it's more a moment, I guess. And it's it's maybe the most powerful in all of star wars but yeah that one that's that's right up there as well what's up boys hey there he's back we are kicking around our favorite scenes from each star wars film we just hit the ot you want you want to give us your favorite scene from a new hope uh trend trend that's a good good one one. you guys didn't say that no, I, I went with uh, Obi-Wan telling Luke about the Jedi, the Empire, the Dark Times, all that stuff. Telling him about, uh, telling him about his father. Mm, great. No, that's great. I'm just surprised it wasn't mentioned being maybe the most iconic of the whole movie, Corey. <laughs> well, so Kyle was kind of saying like the whole movie's iconic, you know. It's... That's true. Yeah, it was, it's, this was the hardest movie for me. It, just, like, it feels like a two-hour favorite moment. It's, it's crazy how this every scene is memorable for me in this one. I like I like uh, Obi Wan's uh, voice ghosting. That was sort of magical when I I watched it. And plus, he makes the shot. So yeah, I'll put my money there. I don't I don't think there's a, there's a bad call in a new hope. Nope. Are we all gonna have the same one for Empire? Let's find out. Corey, what, what, what oh, do you, you got for Empire? I guess if it's a whole scene, like it's got to be Luke and Vader, like just. The moments yeah, of walking, walking through those tunnels, the doors closing, the black and white hallway—it's—it's uh, it's kind of a bit of a nostalgia thing for me too. Because, man, when I when I saw that, I, I hope you guys aren't too scared, Charlie and Seb, because I know I was. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, will echo that. Luke versus Vader. On, me on too. Tespin. That's clean sweep, blue on red, smashity spark spark. But there was, such, awesome. there was so much emotional heft to it too, right? Because you knew Luke had no business being in that fight, but yet you were still rooting so hard for him. And then you, and then the gut punch of I am your father. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> that is that is some pretty good movie making. The visuals, right there. the visuals too, man. Oh. Oh, they just, that I, I love that. If I could watch like one section of Star Wars for the rest of my life, it would be that section of of Bespin. It's, it's just, pretty it's, awesome. It's incredible. At one point, they're like two silhouettes fighting each other. Yeah, the blue and the orange hues. It's it's amazing. All right, episode six, Return of the Jedi. James, what do you got? This one was uh, sort of hard for me. I, I wanted to pick something from Endor, frankly. And I, I know that like a lot of people scoff at the Ewoks and and the Yubnub scene has been changed and the music gets criticized on both ends. But um, I'm, I'm going to say that my, my 
favorite scene is the speeder bike scene. Uh, I thought those things were ultimately cool. Like if I was to pick a vehicle out of all of Star Wars, speeder bike would be right near the top of my list to actually own. So yeah, I'm gonna say the speeder bike chase scene. Well, they, they had taken, you know, that's uh, the, you know being the speed sequence in a Star Wars movie like that one at the time was like breakneck. It was it was really well done. It was awesome. Hitting trees and full stops and bodies going crashing. Do you guys remember that speeder bike game from the 80s? Yep, I was just going to say that. That was I and I never really played it other than a few times in the arcade. I didn't really play it. I remember Excite bike, but that's not at all the same. <laughs> that's not no, that's it. Was, it was like you actually sat on on the bike. Yeah, I remember seeing it. Yeah, I, I wish they. I, I want to play that game again. I want to play all the old <laughs> Star Wars video games again. Yeah, that would be fun. But yeah, so I went. I went with an Endor scene. Fair enough, Corey. What do you got? Well, it's a tough call between. I. I, I not it's not as iconic but the trench run in or the death star run anyhow in this one it's a lot more faster and upbeat and believable more faster more faster (laughs) um and the force ghosts on on endor that would be my endor choice like with luke just smiling off in the distance there with his flap open and leia coming and yub nub playing um (laughs) luke vader and the emperor that's got to be that. Yeah, that's that's my thing too. Just from the moment where Luke snaps and he takes down Vader to the moment where he tosses away his lightsaber, like that's yeah, sister. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the return of the Jedi for me. All right, uh, moving into the sequel trilogy, The Force Awakens. I'm with Charlie for The Force Awakens. Ray and Finn on the Falcon. I I love that was the first time really where we got to see the Falcon move that way. Like she Ray even makes it drift, <laughs> which was so cool. It makes no sense, but it was really cool to see and f- flying it through the, all those sand dunes and the, the the scrapyard and into the Super Star Destroyer. That was the way amazing. that that Super Star Destroyer looked to uh, on the ground was just scene stealing. In and of itself. Absolutely. It looked so great. So I'm, I'm definitely 100% with Charlie on that one. I could have went with with Ray versus Kylo at the end of the movie just because it has one of my top moments in all of Star Wars when when she calls the saber to her. But I, I, that's not, for me, that's a moment. I think we talked about moments last week, right, with, with Matthew's question. Our favorite moment from each movie as opposed to... Mm-hmm. Um, scene i think i think there's differences there so yeah Corey, what do you got for tfa well i'm kind of right on the same page with you guys like just that loop de loo that the falcon does there like you pretty much feel glued to your seat like you're feeling the g-forces of the falcon which is really cool so that that's like a really fun scene but uh, han's death is right up there with me as well like just calling out to him on the on the bridge with no railings bad like just such a good scene it's so quiet the theater was just like could hear a pin drop you know i wish i could get an honest 
measurement of how many people in that theater opening night expected Han to die versus no way. No way. Like Luke's going to come in and save the day or Han's going to turn Kylo good or something. I wonder how many people truly expected that. I will never know, but man, I'd love to know the answer. I knew and I didn't believe it. Like I had heard the rumor and I was like, no, 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 no. I think even Anthony yeah. Bresnikin, I think I remember listening to him on, on Rebel Force Radio before the movie came out. And he was like, no way are they killing Han Solo. They just spent $4 billion on Lucasfilm. Do you think they're going to kill off one of their most beloved heroes? No way. <laughs> Oops. Uh, so is that? did we all do our TFA? We yeah. all agree. Boys, good call. I can't think of a scene that I, I enjoy more and it was so impressive to watch to you felt like you were living it it was it reminded me of the pod race in that regard it, it hooked me right in and I was completely completely in the movie um, for the entire scene you said, yeah so pod race had to be your Phantom Menace favorite scene right uh, yeah definitely yeah I figured that uh, okay into it's the, only it, that it's, it's also like the, the resurrection of the Falcon as well it's like uh, yeah the garbage so will long. do yeah, that's great. I think we saw a clip on Kimmel. It was right before the movie came out. And that was the scene they showed. It was Finn and Ray in those tents in that little trading outpost. And they're running out towards the quad jumper. And the scene cuts right where she says the garbage will do. And this was like a day or two before. Or maybe the Friday before The Force Awakened opened. It was really soon. And I was... What a dummy. Like, I still didn't even realize that when she says the garbage will do, she was talking about the Falcon. Like, hmm. In retrospect, it was so easy to put that together. No, because yeah, that your brain doesn't think of the Falcon as garbage. So there's no way you're going to make that leap. Yeah, I mean, the only way you could have is if you said, well, the, the Falcon is on that sand planet. Here they are on the sand planet. Eh, but it, it, it caught me. And I remember just in that moment... You know, back in December 2015 when they said the garbage will do and then the music kicks in and they pan over to the Falcon. I was like, yeah, I was so thrilled with that. Like, JJ, you genius. Okay, uh, into The Last Jedi. James, should we, should we just skip you for The Last Jedi? <laughs> uh, no, no, there were closing credits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good one. That's a good one. Um, no, you don't have to skip me. There were scenes that I liked in the movie. Uh, I liked, uh, probably the Yoda scene is going to be my answer, but I have to give honorable mention to the Snoke killing scene as well. I mean, that, the whole sequence, the whole way it was shot, the stylized slow motion, multiple angle teamwork between the, 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 you know, the foes, the opposing players, uh, all of it, uh, the colors in that room. It's I really bold. talk myself into I could talk myself into uh, giving it to that one, but I, there's something about seeing Yoda again and, uh, you know, hearing the voice and, and what he was not just because it was Yoda saying it, but they, you know, they managed to give him some really deep, fun stuff to think about. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I got to give it to the Yoda scene. That's uh, that's tough to argue with. That is a good, good scene. Corey, what do you have? I can't argue with James there either. Uh, Yoda was awesome. 
Kylo and Ray, like James said, hyper stylized. This so well done and seeing it the first time in theater was again one of those moments where like you're just like yeah my god it's happening or you don't know what's going on at that moment what's going to happen once this fight is done or these two teaming up like it we had no clue at the time and it was so exciting to see in theater so for that like it's up there but i think the last scene with luke including his death you know like uh the fight like none of us knew what was going on like the just for men thing like (laughs) what is happening but just the fact that you call it the just for men thing, like that's got to take be a knock against it. Everybody, no. it's funny because that that took a life of its own. Like everybody calls that just for men, Luke. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> but I, I remember looking at you in the theater too, James. Like what? Like we did not have a clue what was going on, and I, I love that. You know. Oh, that's the it's the best when you know you're something's going on and you and you can't figure it out, even though the answers are kind of right in front of you. It's that that that's just a a good at least a, a well made scene. Honorable mention to uh, Luke and R two as well. Luke and R two is nah, nice. Boo boo that scene! It took way too long for him to go to R two. Just just for where that scene was placed in the movie, I can't give it to that. Well, t- no, that's another thing too. We just read in the novelization that Luke doesn't know that he's there until he meets him on the Falcon. Like he was just going to check out the Falcon, I guess. And then he's like, oh, my God, R2. And you hear young Luke again saying that. But it says in the novelization, there was one of the bullets that said, like, R2 took one step up the stairs to go see Luke because he wanted to go see him. Took one step and turned back around. I was like, no. Yeah, because he, oh, really? he doesn't have his jets anymore. Yeah. So he's kind of like an old, old, old man R2, kind of like chopper in a way. He's like, yeah. I'm going back to bed. That's too many stairs. I'm going to <laughs> back to the ship. That's kind of funny. Yeah, I'm, they I'm, actually they could have put that in the movie. That that is a joke that works. I think that would have, that should be in the movie. Do you think it would have worked at that point in the movie? With all the with all the way that with the way that they had Luke on the island, I would have bought into that R two bit. Yeah, for sure. I'd sure like the opportunity to see it before I make a final call. But uh, sure, fair enough. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go also with Luke versus Kylo. I love seeing Kylo Ren get played like a fiddle. That dumb emo moron. <laughs> um, yeah, and the the Ray and Kylo team up <clears throat> team up battle. That's that is also right there. Yoda, that's right there. Leia, Luke and Leia is right there. There is a lot of tough calls. But yeah, I'm I'm going with Luke versus Kylo. I think it's uh, yeah, like I said, I just like seeing Kylo Ren <laughs> getting completely fooled. Uh, and then finally, let's not forget about Rogue One. Corey, what's your favorite scene from Rogue One? Oh. If it's a scene, then I'm gonna have to say the betrayal on the bridge, where Tarkin's just like. I'm the Wiz. <laughs> Nobody beats the Wiz. <laughs> and Credit is just like, this is my accomplishment. Like freaking out. Target's like, I'm the Wiz. <laughs> Nobody beats me. <laughs> it's so good. Like he just doesn't care. And there's the animosity between those two. It's pretty good. I mean, there's so many others too. Like the Vader going ballistic. That's pretty awesome. Leia. 
even the whole battle of Scarif, like, like the, especially the space battle. There was space a lot of cool things. Awesome. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff going on there. I wish we. I wish yeah, you we just, you had stepped on my toes, Corey. You stepped on my toes. Uh, you didn't leave me anything. There. You just named the whole movie. It's all kind. What about K two sacrifice? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Corey took. Corey took my turn. <laughs> <laughs> Which one of those many options that Corey spoiled for everybody? Oh, I, <laughs> I had it narrowed down to space battle. And well, I, I can't say that uh, I had it narrowed down because I said anything with K2SO in it. And that's not really narrowing it down. But he, that guy grew on me in like half a second flat. And I was really sad <laughs> we lost him in the same movie. He was really great. He really was. Really, really great. He might be my favorite character in the movie. But that's maybe the, uh, wow, that's a good statement. I mean, he might be mine too. But um, what I was going to say is the reason I picked the space battle is because of all the Star Wars movies, it it might be the best one. Oh, I, 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 you can make me agree. I could agree with that possibly. There you go. It's, Jedi is Jedi is really well done. The opening of, of uh, Revenge of the Sith, I, it's it's just too. It's almost sensory overload. That space battle for me is just too much. But yeah, that, that was that was George playing the role of Kylo in more, more, more. <laughs> yeah, that, that Rogue One space battle just has the right mix of everything. Like there's tension, there's great, great visuals. So I could easily be talked into that being the best space battle. Because the, the ones we got in The Last Jedi were not terrific. Well, there was that chase. You know, the one that oh, took yeah. the whole movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the super slow chase. I kind of like that in a way. It kind of like, it reminds me of like a, like sea battles. You know what I mean? <laughs> it reminded me of that commercial where the Canadian car chase, and it's like the cop car's got its lights on, it's 10 feet behind the, uh, the car it's chasing, and they're both spinning out in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> See, our friends in the UK will get that. This week now because because they've had their fair share of snow this this past couple weeks. Um, I think my favorite scene from Rogue One is Vader's castle. Just everything that that now that place now represents to Vader, and Mustafar. It's just that's that's the place where Darth Vader, in my mind anyway, was really born. And just what's in that castle, the possibilities of what's in there, just. To this day, has me daydreaming about what what we're gonna learn. Um, and this 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 on the on the heels of of rebels, you know, if that's an actual Sith temple on Mustafar, there, oof, imagine like you said, imagine what kind of secrets it can hold. Yeah, and and Snoke's ring, right? That that black jewel in Snoke's ring is a is a piece of obsidian from Darth Vader's castle. So there's all kinds of ties in there that there's there's got to be something really really grand about Vader's castle that we're going to learn about someday. Uh, what about that scene? Just to go back to the space battle for a second, the two star destroyers crashing into each other. Yeah, I love that because I I don't know if you don't you don't remember this Kyle, but I totally called this like we were we were talking one night and it kind of just popped in my head and I I called you right away or I. 
texted you or something, but I was like, the link between that those hammerheads being the ones that they acquire in Rebels. Like it didn't really click right away for for a lot of people, and then I told you about it, and I was like, let's get it out there, and yeah, any, anyway. Yeah, why not? Thought that was that ever confirmed that that, that it is the same. Yeah, hammerhead? yeah, I think Pablo Hidalgo had confirmed it. I'm almost a hundred percent sure. Like it was in one of those the Easter eggs of Rogue One. I mean, there's no reason to not just run with that anyway. Just go with it. It's fun. Who cares? Um. Yeah, that, that moment on screen, the two Star Destroyers smashing into each other. Oof, that was one hell of a thing to see in cinemas. There you go. Ads, Charlie, Sebastian. That is our favorite scenes from all the Star Wars movies. And what's nice is that in about 80 days, we can add one more. All right. Guys, thank you so much for your question this week, and I uh, hope to hear from you all again soon. Thanks, boys. Thanks, uh, Charlie Seb, and Ads, uh, I'll be working with you again probably tomorrow. <laughs> you sound so, so thrilled, James. <laughs> uh, it's, it's more um, we keep having to just do work we shouldn't because we're redoing stuff, but um, it's always nice to work with the Ads. <laughs> I never get I never get tired of hearing other podcasters <laughs> going. I got to do something again. It's so much work. <laughs> yep. <laughs> to be fair, I, I vent more to you than anyone else because you get it. Like to other people, they're like, "How's podcasting?" I'm like, "It's terrific. It's really fun. I'm enjoying myself." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, thanks again, guys. Now it's time for some classic bradley banter let's check in with bradley in texas and we'll kick his question around hey guys bradley here with this week's star wars question so let's talk um officers of the imperial army what is your top five officers of the empire slash first order i added one little stipulation to this uh top five and that uh that you can't use the same uh, rank. Um, so we got our mobs, we got our admirals, we got our generals, lieutenants, captains, commanders, colonels, and yes, we even have chief petty officers. And Corey, if you can tell me, or if you if you can name me one chief petty officer, my friend, my hat is off to you. Um, I'd like to see if you could uh, name one without looking it up. So anyway, here's my top five. Um, we'll start with number five. We'll go with uh, General Pong Krell. Um, he's a Beskalis. Um, that's the best I can pronounce that. I'm pretty sure I'm not saying it correctly. Um, but that's a species, and he's a Jedi. And if you recall, he was in the Clone Wars um, cartoon. And... I remember when I first saw him on screen and just his fighting tactics and just the way he was so quick and fierce and just brutal and the way he would just mow down any opponent that he came up against. I thought, oh my gosh, this is like um, the Jedi of all Jedis. Um, now... 
I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, he's a Jedi. He's on the good side. He's not on the bad side. But I kind of included him. I looped over this, Corey. I included him in this list because ultimately we find out that he's, uh, you know, he betrays um, the, the good guys in a sense. Uh, and technically, he's with the clones, and the clones are part ultimately of the empire so um i double loophole that so that's how i got him in there um but he's my number five uh number four is on my list is captain uh, kennedy um we just met him in the last jedi and i'll tell you what i'm disappointed that we're not going to get to see him on screen anymore because i thought he was so cool um, I just love uh, the expressions he made. I love how he just took control, um, how he had command. And you could just tell he was an intelligent military man, but he unfortunately was handcuffed by his superiors, uh, mainly uh, Hux. And it's a shame that uh, what happened to him, but, uh, you know, I think if he was... Um, if he wasn't in the position he he would have been in, um, I think he would he would live on and he would probably make a pretty good name for himself um, if he hadn't already. Um, but I liked him. I liked every moment he was on screen. Um, the the actor who played him did a wonderful job. So that's my number four. Number three is Admiral Piet. Um, I always have liked. Piet, um, when we first saw him in Empire, um, you could see that he was real timid, um, obviously, because he's seeing his superiors, uh, you know, drop, drop off left and right from Vader's hand, and, you know, he didn't want to be next, um, and then when we see him in, uh, Return of the Jedi, you see a more confident Piet, and, and we see how, um, he's not scared of Vader. Uh, he kind of feels, uh, you know, in a sense, he's kind of, you know, he feels like he's just one of, you know, he's up there with him. You know, we're all in this together. And um, you can definitely tell that mutual respect between uh, the two of them just by the way they talk to, it, uh, to one another. Um, so, yeah, that's my number three. Number two is um director Krennic um Bill Mendelson uh Ben Mendelson uh if that's how you say his name correctly um and he knocked this character out of the park um you know I first saw him in Bloodlines and man he owned that show um and uh I finished all three seasons right before um, uh, Rogue One dropped and I was so excited to see Rogue One just because uh, I knew he was going to be in the movie and I loved his sarcasm in the movie I love his tantrums I love how uh, he didn't back down uh, to anyone um, and I just loved uh, that you know he was just an agent of evil and he was just another pawn in this big scheme. 
and uh, yeah, he killed it in that movie. I love Krennic. Um, so that's my number two, and my number one is Grand Marf Tarkin. Yeah, I've always loved Tarkin. Um, Peter Cushing's killed this character. Uh, he is just uh, true evil in every sense. He doesn't care about anything or anyone other than taking all the glory <laughs> and just wreaking havoc across the universe. Um, I mean, we saw it firsthand in Star Wars when he didn't hesitate one bit to destroy a whole planet and kill millions of people. And we saw it in Rogue One where he was like, you did all the work, but I'm going to take all the credit when he uh, basically stole the Death Star from Krennic. So uh, he's my number one uh, officer of the Empire. So there you go, guys. Hope you all enjoy this, uh, this week's Star Wars question. And uh, you all have a great week and have a great podcast. May the Force be with you. Bye. There's Bradley. Thank you, sir. Guys, let's have at it. It's our top five officers of the Empire or First Order. And I'll, and, I'll, I'll and just get the easy one out of the way for me. Bradley mentioned him in, in his list. It's uh, Captain Kennedy <laughs> from, from The Last Jedi. He's just this grumpy old fart surrounded by a bunch of numbskulls. But Corey, yeah, did, you, did you notice Bradley's loophole? Oh, yeah, with the Poncrell? Yeah. I loved it. You're rubbing off and on people. I love it. Good, good job, actually. Like, oh I, my, I, I'll, I'll allow it because even though we didn't have a rank and all that, he had a plan. I'm definitely down. Um, and in regards to the chief petty officer, no, I definitely had to Google it, but I did find two. I found a, someone by the name of Anamo, and another gentleman by the name of Thanison for your chief petty officers. Hmm. No, I, didn't, I had I to Google it either. But I, I, I'm on the same page as you guys, too. Number five, Captain Kennedy. <laughs> he's always so good on it. Like, just watching Hux, just how disgusted he was with Hux. Like, yeah. he looks like the real war, like, military leader, you know? Yeah. He's like, a captain. They, Remember, they, we can't they, they launched the TIE Fighters right, five, five bloody minutes ago. Like, he's just... He's, he's dealing with all this incompetence. <laughs> We can't double up on rank either, so that's a captain down. James, you, you, do you have a well, who's who's at the back end of your list? I gotta, I gotta be honest, guys. I didn't do Bradley's question. I'm uh, <laughs> slapping my slapping my own wrist now. Shame, <laughs> shame on me. Shame, Sorry, Bradley. Shame. Know your name. All right. Well, me and Corey will kick it around. I hope we hope we don't double up too much. Who's who's next on your list, Corey? Well, I got a, I got a kind of a question for you here. This this could be a bit of a loophole. So number four is going to be the loophole answer. Uh, can we consider Inquisitor as a ranking of an officer? Well, I think if Bradley gave you Pong Krell, you can put the Inquisitor. Hmm. Well, I also now want to say... Now that he got his loophole, he hadn't figured out which <laughs> Inquisitor he wanted no, to pick. It would, it would definitely be the Grand Inquisitor, that's for sure. Jason Isaac's awesome, but there's also oh, because Callus is a bit of a loophole too, seeing as how he defected. Yeah, but he was but, he was Imperial for quite a while, and he's an agent, so mm, 
You know what? Actually, I want to use Wolf Yalarin as well, but I don't. I don't know his rank, so I, I'm gonna go with that, the the Grand Inquisitor. Can I point out that Corey didn't do his homework either? He's just making it up now. <laughs> no, that that was my loophole, but I I knew I wanted to use Yolaren because he's such a cool character. Because you, you see him, he's like a good guy in the Clone Wars, in the animated like, and then he comes back again in Rebels. But he's still part of the Empire. But you kind of see that he's still like. I don't know, like on the good side of things in a way. Well, I think they they treated that character because he is on my list. I have Yularen on my list, and I think what's his tra- rank? I don't know, but he works in the ISB. James Kyle didn't do his homework. Oh, shut your face! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he works in the ISB. I don't know what his what his position is in there, but he's obviously way up the food chain. If he's going to be in that that uh, conference room. With Tarkin, with Vader, with all of those higher ups on the Death Star in A New Hope, like he's way up the list. Yeah, so, he's a smart little bugger. But you're right, Corey. Like he, we see him in, in in the Clone Wars, and he's he's a good guy, the old admiral that you root for. And then we always wondered what happened what happened to him. And we met him again in in Rebels. But it's interesting that they had created this whole ISB portion of the Empire. And put him there, so it, they all, they're almost kind of detached. I mean, obviously, they're still firmly part of the Empire, but it's like not everyday Empire. You know what I mean? Like almost yeah. like this group it's does like their own thing, and they're so interrogating th- their own. <laughs> pretty much. Like, so at no point would you think that Yularen was out there like destroying populations of innocent people. Like he was always, it was always kind of his job to hold his own people kind of accountable, which he probably didn't do a very good job at, considering it's the Empire. But uh, yeah, I like that they treated that character that way, just just out of respect for the Clone Wars series. So yeah, there you go. Who else is on your list? Uh, okay, let's see. Number three will be director critic. Same here. Just just on the strength of his uniform. Yeah, cape. A cape will get you on the list. Yeah, Mendo pulled that off. Yeah, he was he was he was terrific. I mean, he's kind of a he's kind of a turkey. I've always referred to Krennic as a turkey, but he was good. He was really good in Rogue One. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next, I'm gonna I'm going <clears throat> right to the top with Tarkin. He's just he's just he's so memorable, right? He's like he's so calculating and ruthless. Those cheekbones, that pointy nose. There's just nothing forgettable about Tarkin. Yeah, and he's uh, you keep forgetting rank here, Kyle. Come on, he's a grand moth. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Like he's he's right near the top of the food chain. Yeah, he played his cards right. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Grand Moff Tarkin as well for my number two. It was a debate between one and two, but seeing as how you said it. Well, I don't really know if mine is in any type of favorite order. These are just my five Imperial officers. All right, so who do you got for number one, then? Ray Sloan. I like. She's just something very different from the Empire. Just a, a woman in a literal sea of dudes at the Empire. And here's Ray Sloan, who started out... Chronologically, where's the first time we meet her? Is it in the comics, or... Is it in, oh boy, what book was it? Ah, I can't remember anymore. 
but she was in one of the books somewhere. But she went from being, you know, in the, in the lower ranks and worked up to captain, and then, you know, she eventually was sort of the the leader of the first order at some point, I believe, or no, sorry, leader. Of, she was Grand Admiral of the Imperial Navy in the aftermath of Return of the Jedi. Till Snoke snuffed her out. Yeah, which is interesting because Ray Sloan is one of the characters that people have been clamoring for. Give us more stories about her. And yeah, so Snoke had her either killed her, killed her himself or had her snuffed out. So we, we know there's an end point for that character. Now we just need to see the in-between. So there you go, Bradley. Hey, you didn't give me my last number uh, one. Who cares? Thrawn, let's go. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have asked you. Thrawn. Yeah, I love Thrawn. What? Terrible. Yeah. I should edit that part out. Blah. Thrawn. I hope he I hope he dies in the finale of Rebels. Honestly. Me too. Alright, Bradley, thank you, sir. And there's so many more. Like I would have liked to have put Admiral Ozel on this list just because he was Hitler in Last Crusade. That's awesome. I love seeing that that the the links between those two franchises. And just uh, I, uh what's his face? General Veers was the first guy who oh. drank from the cup. The, the guy who drank yeah, from yeah. the wrong cup. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's uh, General Veers. All right, again, Bradley, thank you, sir. Looking forward to next week's Bradley banter. And guys, Katie is back. Oh yeah. So hello, guys. I am very glad to say I am back. So it's question time. What is your favorite Padme moment? Mine has to be her fighting in the neck, uh, fighting the Nexu in the arena in Attack of the Clones. It was once again Lucasfilm showing how badass and powerful the woman can be. Love it. An honorable mention also is a quote. One of my favorite lines from Padme, and actually in all of Star Wars, comes in, in Revenge of the Sith. When the Emperor had taken power, and he creates the Galactic Empire, and Padme says, This is how liberty dies, with thunderous applause. Chilling. Anyway, glad I'm back involved. I'm, I've missed this. Love you guys. And we love you too, Katie. Great to have you back. Is James still with us? I sure am. There you are. All right, what, what, is, uh, what is your favorite Padme moment? Uh, my, I've got a... Say, I, I couldn't pick anything from uh, episodes two or three just because, um, I don't know, th those movies leave a sour enough taste in my mouth that uh, uh, some good performances sort of get overshadowed. And I'm, I'm not saying that, like, Katie's moments aren't good ones, because they are. And I, when I think about them, I'm like, oh, yeah, solid choices. Um, but I, I really like her when she was dealing with young Annie. And I'm, don't go anywhere weird on me, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that that that's why I liked um, her portrayal, but I, I there's something very fresh about her, and I, it was her first performance and introduction into the Star Wars universe. But I liked sort of how eager uh, to jump into the adventures she was um, in that movie, and so um, yeah, I, I guess I guess if if I had to narrow it down, I'd say the first half of the Phantom Menace and everything, every interaction she has with young Annie is uh is my favorite are you an angel <laughs> i said don't get weird 
It's hard not to. There's some there's some weird stuff in there. Uh, it sure I, is. I I kind of had to like look at a few things. You know, there's nothing nothing really that popped out to me right away. I was like, there's got to be something a little more significant. And sadly, like that's the worst part. Like she's such a cool character, and like so many of her scenes are so intertwined with Anakin's. Like she doesn't really have all that many standalone moments other than what Katie had said. Like uh, the Senate moment and. Uh, her fighting the Nexu, like her fighting the Nexu is pretty pretty powerful. The the only other thing I could really think of, and it's a bit of a loophole, is the fact when you kind of look at the Phantom Menace and she's she's out there on her own, where she has uh, Kira Knightley acting as Padme, and she's out there in the field, like doing things firsthand. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah. I guess that's a bit of a loophole. <clears throat> yes. Loophole. Again. Uh, gotcha. My favorite is when they receive when it's from Attack of the Clones. So when they receive the message from Mace Windu to stay on Tatooine, like as soon as they hang up the phone, she's like, "Nope, they're dumb and too far away." And Anakin replies with, "Like Master Windu gave me strict orders to stay here," and she says back to him, uh, "He gave you strict orders to protect me, and I'm going to help Obi Wan. If you want to protect me, you'll have to come along." So there's there's that defiant streak in her, that uh, Leia. and and Corey. I'm, I'm surprised. It's a loophole. It's a loophole, Corey. Padme exploiting a loophole. She totally did. I like that. Good where catch. where were you on that one? Well, whatever. And it also yeah. it also proves again what a dope Mace Windu is that he couldn't seal up that loophole. He left that wide open. Now now, Kyle. <laughs> Just because someone exploits loopholes does not mean the person in charge is adult for not sealing them up. <laughs> <laughs> I've given up on that, James. It's I can make it's it's like a job into itself to try and close off all the loopholes. And then like slowly it's kind of spreading through the Commonwealth where people are loopholing and then giving Corey credit. <laughs> it's like it's becoming a hobby for everybody to loophole stuff. It's crazy. Uh, I, I also have to give an honorable mention from a plot, a subplot from Revenge of the Sith that was kind of annihilated from the movie. But the formation of the Rebel Alliance, those little secret meetings that uh, Padme was having with Mon Mothma and Bail Organa and all those senators, like that was that was a strong showcase of her character. And it all just got blown out from the movie. And it, it kind of sucks. So... Yeah, for, for for a demure character like Padme, who's always so shy and reserved and soft-spoken, there's a few moments where like the, the defiance and loophole exploiting kind of helps her shine through. And there you have it, Katie. I'm glad Katie's back. I like these questions. What is it? Like, always nice to hear from Katie. I wonder Katie, how isn't granular it? Katie's going to get. What what is your favorite major Durlin moment? <laughs> there's like two of them. All right. Yeah, but which one's your favorite? Mm. I think he has when he says the shield doors must be closed. It's got to be that. <laughs> Which is not even John Ratzenberger's voice. How sad is that? All right, Metal Mando time, guys. Let's check in with Jeff in sunny Florida. Hey guys, what's up? Jeff here again from sunny Fort Myers, Florida. Just watched the last couple episodes of Star Wars Rebels and some pretty interesting stuff going on there. 
I'm sure you can agree. Uh, hey, Star Wars, keeping it weird. Just how we love it, right? I sure do. I'm sure you guys do too. Can't wait to see what happens next week. I'm actually a little bit nervous, to be honest. Uh, but we'll see, right? Uh, I Memory for this week is little Han Solo-centric. We just have those pictures from the Toy Fair, kind of fresh in our minds from the new line coming out, and uh, we're amped up to see the new movie. But I wanted to know, what is your favorite Han Solo memory from the original trilogy? Might be kind of hard to pin down to just one, but if you want to throw a few out there, it'd be great to hear them. And what is your favorite Han Solo toy from any line, uh, you know, from the vintage through, uh, you know, recent? And uh, for me, um, I'm going to loophole this uh, first one, Corey, I know that's right up your alley. As far as uh, my most memorable Han Solo moment in the original trilogy, and is anything to do with Han Solo being completely, absolutely annoyed with whatever C-3PO does. My wife thought I was crazy when I said that I was going to choose this as my most memorable moment, but it just is. It just makes me chuckle out loud every time I watch this trilogy. And, you know, just uh, the things that uh, Han Solo says... It throws back at C-3PO after, you know, his C-3PO's lines or whatever. And, you know, it's just like, hey, Chewie, take the professor in the back and plug him into the hyperdrive. Or shut him up or shut him down. And hurry up, Goldenrod. Just just chuckle out loud moments for me, man. Just love that stuff. Sure, it's not even close to being you guys' top of the list, but can't wait to hear yours. And as far as the toy, in 97, uh, Kenner, yeah, Kenner, released a 12-inch collector series line, and they had Han Solo and Tauntaun just in this crazy-ass big packaging, and just first time I saw it, I was totally blown away. Never collected 12-inch toys, because I was always a three-and-three-quarters collector in some other lines, but never 12-inch. Man, when I saw this, I was like, I have got to have that. I mean, it just looked so impressive. Took that baby home when I found it at Toys R Us. Got a tip from a friend, and... uh the thing I remember is that thing must have had 200 twist ties on it. I can't, I can't even remember how long it took me to get that thing out of the package, but it was worth it. Let me tell you that that's a display piece that I uh, still love. And I had a Star Wars slash sports memorabilia room. Thank God my wife let me have that back when I lived in Michigan for about 10 years before I moved to Fort Myers, Florida. And uh, every time I turned that light on to go in that room, that is the first thing that caught my eye. Just just an amazing display piece. Love it. Can't say enough about that. So I want to know this week, kind of quick and simple, what's your favorite Han Solo memory from the original trilogy? And what's your favorite Han Solo toy basically ever made? And with that, guys, this week, this is the Metal Mando, and I am out of here. Talk to you guys later. Bye. And there he goes, Jeff. I want to ask Jeff about like spring training in Florida. Like, is he all over that? Jeff, are you all over spring training in Florida? Like, I, if I was in Florida at this time of year, I'd be at those little ballparks day and night, all the time. You guys remember where the Expos trained? Uh, they weren't in Dunedin, were they? They were in Jupiter. Jupiter, Florida. They, they had a bunch of spots, though, I think, over, over the years. But Jupiter was was the spot, I think. All right, guys, we've got to talk about our favorite Han Solo moment from the OT. 
It's a very Katie-shaped question, isn't it? I, I like it. All right, well, let's, let's go for it, Corey. Who, who's, uh, what's your favorite Han Solo moment from the OT? Uh, so hard to choose. I, I love what uh, Jeff had to say. Oh, really? It's not hard for you. We all know where you're going. Uh, none of these things. I, that's another thing about all these lists. Like, I find this show is very heavy in that regard for favorite moment, favorite. All this stuff is so fluid. And, you know, if you ask me next week, it might be different, you know. Um, this is because you don't remember what you said last week. That's possible. And, you, and but, you're too lazy to check. That's exactly what it is. You don't want to contradict yourself. <laughs> well, not, that's not necessarily true. I just don't care. Like I said, like, it's how I'm feeling at the moment. Like, like I said, it, it changes. Uh, I, I like what he said about his relationship with 3PO. That was his loophole. Love it. Uh, um, the carbonite scene, it kind of seems a bit of low-hanging fruit. So I'm going to go with... It's just a big change for Han. You know, we see Han in A New Hope and he's so selfish, even though he comes back and all that. We know there's been a big time gap between the two movies. So when he's going out to save Luke and he's like, your Tauntaun's never going to reach the first marker, you know? And he's like, then I'll see you now. Like, I just love that. It's like, leave no man behind. Like, I'm going back for my boy. You're just like, yeah. Like, like as a kid, it's like you see like, man, Han Solo is like a tough cookie, man. Tauntaun sleeping bag, the works. That's a good one. That one didn't even cross my mind, but that's 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 uh that's a me problem. That's a good pull. James, you got one? Nice. Corey, was that your favorite? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that for now, you know. Ask me again tomorrow and uh who knows? Maybe <laughs> I love you. you say, I, yeah, uh, that's I what love I was you, sure I know. gonna say. I love you, I know. I was sure. I'm pretty sure that's what you said um, last week. But again, I say that one. I say that one pretty often. So let's change it up. Well, again, it, it, differences in, well, I guess moments and yeah. So that moment, I love you. I know is was your favorite moment for Empire, and so I guess ergo, it's your favorite Han Solo moment, right? Ergo, like moving on, <laughs> like whatever. I mean, like I said, like I want to not always say the same thing and there's, there's so many of his moments that i adore like it's it's in, so hard to choose one james what do you got i, I took uh the introduction to han i i, I really liked when uh like a, a wide-eyed luke follows the uh the sort of savvy old man into the really dangerous bar and they meet this super confident cool like arrogant smuggler I'll take the introduction. I thought that scene was was pretty cool. That is a that's a really good one. He's, he is so sure of himself, right? Yeah, he's he's super um, self assured, and and he thinks you know he's so much bigger than this little this little mission that he's getting involved in. He's taking them for a ride for the price he's charging, and you know, like he he thinks he's he's playing them, and you know, we we all know that he's jumping to something much bigger than himself. I don't know. I, I, I like everything about it. That's yeah, really, he's like that slap, he's, he's like a little girl like slapping Chewie on the arm, like, "Hey, can you believe this? <laughs> we got some fish." <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going with um, "Never Tell Me the Odds" when he takes the Falcon oh. into the asteroid field. Yeah, and just that dive and twist right after, like, oh. There's just there's two moments kind of like that in Empire where it's like they're at the edge of disaster. But he always kind of walks that line 
the, and the, the the other one would be like when they're trying to escape the Star Destroyer, the, the hyperdrive is still broken. And 3PO says, one more hit on the on the back quarter and we're done for. And he says, turn her around. And everybody's like, what are you thinking? What are you, we're not going to char- attack a Star Destroyer. And he does it anyway. It's it's just pure insanity from this guy. And he gets away with it almost every time. Yeah. you, you Was it the – you said you want to uh, – what does he say to, to Leia when he's telling her, like, you, you wanted to be around when I made a mistake? Yeah, <laughs> and she takes it back. All right, and uh, Jeff had a second question. Our favorite Han Solo toy or collectible? What do you got, Corey? Well, to be honest, uh, I can't really think of all. I know we had a little... Uh, I don't know if we necessarily got him in package back in the day, but I, I mean, I have a few of them here. I have a few three and three quarters that were like, you know him on Endor and stuff, but I I'm gonna have to go with the 40th anniversary. Like it's just such a nice figure. It's a great and, like. This. Uh, again, that one wasn't all that easy to find either. It wasn't like uh, it, it was on the shelves, but a lot of them were banged up and dinged up. Um. Anyway, it was the first one I bought of the 40th anniversary as well, and I opted to like. R2 later became my white whale and I had both of them in my hand and I was like, R2, I'll find you again later. But it turns out that that was not the case. It took me a long time, but uh, again, it's just such a nice figure and yeah, I mean, I bought it a few times now for the show and all that too. So it's a really nice one and somebody's going to win the 40th anniversary Han, right? One of our powerful friends who took part in the Han Solo quiz, they're going to win it. Yep. James, what do you, what do you got? Do you, do you have any Han Solo left or from your from back in the day or do you remember having any? No. I did. I had the I had like basically what I'm going to call the 6-inch GI Joe version like I had a bunch of toys that that got so twisted up and and spun in circles and uh, legs broken off and stuff that they weren't they were no longer part of any single set. Like GI Joes became Star Wars figures and and, and back and forth. So they all got mixed together and none of them, oh, when I was, by the time I was 20, they were all damaged beyond repair. Uh, so yeah, Han Solo looked new for maybe a couple of weeks at my house, but I do own a, a 40th anniversary one along with a Luke and a Vader. So like, that's gotta be my answer since it's the only one I have. Don't you have a Leia as well? Uh, no, I don't have a Leia. No. Guys, these, mm. these are quality answers. But <laughs> yeah, Corey, I got your lay. I'm just <laughs> quality answers, fellas. But um, wrong. We should we should have all had the same answer. And I also <clears throat> have a 40th anniversary Han. So we could have all said that, but we also have something from a very very good artist. Ooh, true. Then that yeah, I'm changing my answer. <laughs> too late, late fool what i'm referring to is matt keegan's drawing of han's dl44 is that a loophole it's not really of han it's of his gun or just some other dude who at one point owned a dl44 i don't care that's my han solo collectible that i that i like the most Kigo's. yeah you're right artwork. i gave the wrong answer <laughs> shame on me i was just showing that actually uh matt to 
May um, over like online last night talking about talented people I know. And she was absolutely freaking out over how awesome it is. Yeah, I had uh, Eric, one of our powerful friends. He was here yesterday for, uh, for a quick stop and I hadn't seen him in a while. Hey, Eric. And um, he's, it was the first time he saw it up close too. And he was like, oh my God. And his, his little guy was, his young son was here with him too. And he was like, holy geez, look at that thing. Like it blew their minds. Like how do, how do people do that? So there you go. Matt, your, your DL44 drawing continues to make an impression. So there you go, Jeff. That is our Hans, the Han Solo of it all. For now, anyway. Check back in 79 days. And we are going to wrap up today's show with our new powerful friend. It's Mike. It's Gundark 2000. Let's check Gundark in on him. Gundark 2000. Hey, guys. Tumbling Saber. This is Mike. I generally go by Gundark 2000 on all of my social media. So uh, with me being a, becoming a new powerful friend, I thought it was time I sent us a message and introduced myself a little bit. So, um, I've been a Star Wars fan pretty much since the get-go. Um, I was about nine years old and when it came out, when Star Wars came out in 77. Uh, saw the movie twice in the theater where my mom took me. And saw The Empire Strikes Back with my cousin and his friends back in 80. And then, of course, by the time uh, Turn of the Jedi came out, I was 14, 15. And my interests actually went more to music and girls than to Star Wars. I've really, never really been a collector, per se. I mean, I've gotten stuff over the years, but um, by the time Jedi came out, it was pretty much the Star Wars figures and stuff were just that, toys. So they kind of went into a box and went in the shelf. And thankfully, my mother had the uh, foresight to keep everything in storage, so I pretty much had most of my uh, original figures and whatnot. So then... Late 80s, I went into the U.S. military, uh, joined the Navy, and spent most of, but just about all of the 90s in Europe, so I really didn't have any uh, contact with, um, you know, the extended universe and the books and all that. I did read the Thrawn trilogy, but that was about it, so now that we've gone into completely new stories and whatnot, I really don't have any of the legends really deep set in my mind so i kind of went into all these new movies with a fresh thought so i'm re you know, really enjoying it plus i'm really been digging into the new canon stuff uh, although i you know don't have the time to read anything per se i really been diving in on the audiobooks and stuff as far as collecting goes i you know really didn't get in really get into it over uh, all the years i mean, i picked up a little pieces here and there but uh, really starting into my collecting um, this last year. So right now I got a bookshelf full of old different figures and any more bigger bookshelves because it's another year coming and there's a bunch of new stuff coming out. Man. Do I need them? No. Do I want them? Hell yes. So one thing I'm really looking forward to is the uh, new streaming service that Disney's going to be putting out this uh, next year. I'm really digging the idea of and possibly doing uh, a show with, let's say, you know, different stories every week. And I would really like to see if they would do that with different directors of each of those stories. Um, of course, you know, that being said, what I would really 
love to see would be uh, this is like really out there, but big some, let's just say some big budget uh, um, directors doing some of these shows. So that is my question to you for this week. If you could, which big budget director would you have direct an episode? Not a movie, not a movie, not a big budget movie, but an episode. And how it, how would it look? Um, a couple of ideas I've been throwing around that I think would be great would be like say for example uh, Tarantino doing a bounty hunters episode and I could really envision say uh, you know like Cad Bane and Boba Fett Bosk and uh, Zuckus doing a slow motion walk down the alleyway in mean, the Reservoir Dogs style and maybe uh, you know Kill Bill uh, stylized uh, fight scenes with uh, either fibroblades or lightsabers or something <laughs> I think that would be sick so thanks guys for putting on such a great show you know I really look forward to the content each week so that being said this is Gundark 2000 signing off from Charleston South Carolina bye all right guys we are in the home stretch here with Mike thanks for thanks again Mike for becoming a powerful friend much much appreciated and um you know one of the things you, you said there that's how you know you were parented correctly your parents kept all your old toys for you instead of trashing them or selling them at a, at a yard sale. That, that, is, that is awesome. That's parenting done right. <laughs> okay, so, guys, what big-name director would you want to direct an episode of something on Disney streaming service? And then what would be the subject of that episode? Who wants ooh, to take ooh, this one first? Ooh. I'm ready. Go for it. Put me in, coach. Put me in. Um, he's not really a TV director or if he is, I don't know much of his stuff. Um, but I would love to see the monsters of star Wars by Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, that's perfect. We've talked about that before. That's a good, good fit. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's outstanding. I think, I think I would watch that more than once. That would be really, really cool. Actually. Um, Corey. I got a few of them here. It's uh, Christopher Nolan. Like he 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 can tackle some force related stuff. Like again, touching back on what we just recently saw in Rebels with these. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. So like, there, there's been a lot of oof, like deep force related uh, stuff that I think that he could take in an in a, an Inception like manner, kind of. He sure could. And that's sort of the, the, the tricky part of this, right? Cause I couldn't name you one guy who directs TV, TV episodes. I could, but it's like Law and Order. Like I, <laughs> the people I know don't do sci-fi stuff. I don't watch a lot of sci-fi TV. Oh, 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 I'm gonna, I, I should slap Kyle right now. You know who, who could do it, Kyle? Filoni? Well, yes, there's that. <laughs> but, I mean, um, but Kevin Smith. He does TV. You're right, he does. Yeah, I, hey. There's going to be plenty of opportunities for a lot of people to do TV on the Disney streaming service. I wonder if, if just getting that job would push Kevin into having another heart attack, though. I don't, I don't know if that's worth it. Um, I've always... I've you know, For the last few years, I've really wanted the Russo brothers connected to Star Wars. But, like, what a terrible waste... Like to use up those two guys in just one episode, right? 
that would be like such a shame. I guess that you could say that for all these guys like Christopher Nolan or Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. Like all those guys could handle a movie no problem. But we're we're picking big budget guys, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, well, because we're dreaming. We're dreaming. But I I would love to see John Favreau direct. Uh, mm. Yeah. So in my mind, like I mentioned this maybe a week or two ago, that I have a theory that there's going to be a Han Solo TV series on the Disney service. And mm. I would, I would love to see John, ha- John Favreau have a, have a kick at that can. I think that would be a lot of fun. John Favreau is a really That would be guy. a lot of fun. That would be really good. He's an, he's another guy that I really hope John, like John Favreau's got to get connected to star Wars. I mean, he's got a foot in the door now. He's got a voice in the Han Solo movie. That's awesome. And you say, looks like it's a pretty relevant character. Yeah, I mean, he's, he made it to the trailer, so yeah, it's got to be at least somewhat important. And he also, he was pre Vizsla, right? True. So he's he's not a stranger to Lucasfilm. I just hope they, they give him a script one day and say, John, you're in. And of course, there's Ryan Coogler, who just did Black Panther. And he's he's done, to, uh, he did a, uh, Apollo or Creed. It was, it was called Creed, right? It was, yeah. Which was apparently very good, and there's another movie he he had done. But apparently this guy's like three for three now, and has made three great movies. And of course Black Panther is just killing it at the box office and with critics and fans. So he can he can do a Star Wars movie anytime he wants, as far as I'm concerned. I like the Russo brothers and like uh, like a special elite, like following like a special elite commando group or something like that. That'd be cool. Denny Villeneuve, Denny Villeneuve, and like a, a bounty hunter themed. He kind of well, didn't he kind of sort of dump on Star Wars? You know, I don't think he dumped on Star Wars. I thought he said he'd be interested in doing on it, doing it if he had like enough creative liberties. Yeah, which sounded like I know that I won't. Like he almost knows that he wouldn't be allowed to do what he wants, so he's not going to do it. That's not really. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. I th- I th- I think it's a good fit. Well, he's he's, he's doing Dune now, right? And he, exactly. he's calling it Star Wars for grown-ups. True. So I don't know what that means, but I guess we'll find out. Isn't Star Wars Star Wars for grown-ups? <laughs> kind of what I thought, but I guess he has Denny Villeneuve has other ideas. And I think, given those two comments, you can kind of he's sort of crapping at it again. Yeah, you can kind of peg what he thinks of uh, thinks of the galaxy far, far away. So, Denny, you can uh, you can st- you can stay far, far away. <laughs> uh, anybody else? What about, uh, who's the one that ah oh, the Handmaiden's Tale? What was her name again? Right. Um... She slips my mind now, but I've like, do you, are you familiar with her work? No, but I've been talking to someone recently that's seen the thing and uh, the whole series, and they were like, yeah, like, and then I mentioned the Star Wars connection, and she was like, oh my god, that makes so much sense. Who's the director? I'm gonna Google that because it's bothering me. Yeah, me too. Like, it's on the tip of my tongue. R- rumor has it that she will be involved in something. Reed Morano. That's it. Uh. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean I think there's there's enough smoke around her that uh, she's she's definitely going to do something with Star Wars at some point uh in the future. 
That would be cool. I mean, I, I've not seen Handmaid's Tale, but virtually everybody I know that has seen it has said nothing but amazing things about it. So that speaks to the director's ability to get something done. So sure, bring her on in. Is that it? Are we done? Did we do it? I think that's about it. I think that's a wrap, guys. I think we're done with episode 116. 116. <laughs> there you go. All right, guys. Um, that is going to be it for us this week. But it's another. It's it's you know far from the last you're going to hear from us this week. We're, we'll have Bridget Transmissions midweek where we tearfully say goodbye to Rebels. I still can't believe that's done. Corey, you must Seriously. be. You must be dying inside. A little bit. <laughs> it's, it's always been hard for me, even, even with just regular shows that I actually follow, like Cheers back in the day, or just when a show comes to an end, Seinfeld, Friends, when those eras end, it is the, the end of an era. And not only that, like I'm super attached to these characters, and I'm, we have no idea still where it's going to go. No idea. I have no clue how this ends up, which is just how I like it. I want to be surprised when I sit and down like, and watch it. Again, like I didn't get a chance to to get together with you guys on uh, Bridger transmissions this week, but this this whole last season has just been so incredibly good. Uh, the last episodes that I saw were like pretty much almost everything that I've ever wanted from Star Wars. I couldn't believe what I was seeing on screen. Like I could not believe it. It was a complete melting of my mind. Uh, and th- again, like this is an animated show, and Dave Filoni has outdone himself and and four seasons is so short and sweet and perfect. I I love that they're leaving on a high note like this. Like they don't have to drag it on. They, they, they told their story and it's so potent and powerful. And uh, I'm just, I'm going to miss it a lot, but I am so looking forward to seeing how it ends and then kind of trying to look at it from a distance and looking at the whole story as a whole and, just, I, I think I honestly think that this is going to be one of my favorite series till the day I die. Wow. Okay. That's a, that's a strong statement, sir. He likes strong statements. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? I like my rebels, him, man. Ask him next week and he'll say something different. It doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you that Chop rules with a Z. That's true. You will say that next week. All right. And um, to wrap it up, this week we'll have Journals of the Willing. That'll be back in your ears where we're going to break down some of the the, just the news surrounding the books and comics and Star Wars. And also we'll get into Darth Vader issues 11 and 12, which I'm really looking forward to, to reading. Hopefully I can read those before we re-record. That, will be, that would be handy. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to hear that before anybody else, you can head on over to patreon.com slash tumblingsaber. Where for just a couple bucks a month, you're in. You'll be in on our all of our early access podcasts, and including the exclusive Powerful Friends only podcast, the Sith Disturbers, which, which I might say, our last one was pretty damn funny. It was pretty good, eh? We got a, we got, we got a lot of fight feedback on that one. People seemed to like that episode, and I, I enjoyed putting it together. It was it was really fun, and also you're in on contests. All that good stuff. So go check that out if you can. And uh, if you cannot become a powerful friend at this time, one one of the other ways to support us is by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. That helps us get some more visibility for the show. And uh, that is always greatly appreciated. And like we said, off the top of the show, 
We have a new member of the Star Wars Commonwealth. And you can check out our new website at StarWarsCommonwealth.com. Every show in the network is still doing great work and now has a new home to show it all off. So go check out StarWarsCommonwealth.com. Poke around. It's sort of a one-stop shop where you can get everything that everybody is doing all in that one place. So check it out. And that's it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Let us know your thoughts. Hit us up in the Tumbling Saber group on Facebook or on Twitter. Uh, Corey's at Chop Rules with a Z, as you know. James, where can people find you? Tommy Bombadil 1 or over at the Green Door Pod. Perfect. And you can find me, of course, at Tumbling Saber. We're all over the place on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. Come say hello. And until we talk to you again in Bridger Transmissions and or Journals of the Willing, we're going to wish you all a great week, and we'll talk to you guys later. Watching you walking away from me Were you watching me?